Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Can we stand together? Anybody been enjoying the nice weather the last couple of days? I've taken a walk with my son and wife. You know, before, uh, before I had my son, I had plans of some yard work this summer. And uh, I thought for sure that there would be some extra time. <laughs> no joke, the day that uh, we went to go get induced, um, somebody brought me a Bible to rebind. And he said, oh, no, I don't have to give this to you today. I said, no, it's fine. I'm about to have plenty of time to do this. I said, I'll work on it on Tuesday. No. <laughs> um, Brother Josh Castle actually mentioned to me that my yard looked like it needed some work done. I don't know if he was trying to make a pitch. Or, <laughs> but I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord with you all today. I'm glad to be here together. I'm glad to be here able to hear the word, able to understand it. Amen. So as we begin today, let's just invite the presence of the Lord into this place. Lord, we thank you for your spirit here today. We thank you for what you have prepared to deliver us today in both first word and the worship. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear it. Some have come for comfort. Some have come for direction. God, I pray that you would let your word be divinely orchestrated and speak to us in our moment. God, I pray that you would help us to live for you and help us to respond back to you. God, I pray that your word would be clear today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome Brother Cody. Amen. Good morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of God today? Amen. I am too. I am too. If you would, I'm going to begin reading here in just a moment uh, with our opening text in Daniel chapter 11. If you'll grab your Bibles. And uh, it's good to be in the house of God today. And uh, this is a, a great week for our young people. They leave on Tuesday for North American Youth Congress, and so just uh, remember them in prayer, and uh, as 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 we travel, and uh, just remember them in prayer. Um, it's an honor to uh, to be able to teach this morning, and uh, I love His Word, and uh, give honor to our pastor this morning. So thankful for him, Amen. Don't we have the best pastor in the world? Amen. Daniel chapter 11 and 32. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're looking at the screen, say I'm cheating. I'll do better next week. Daniel 11 and 32. As such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people, read this with me, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I want to know the God that I serve. Amen. I want to know the God that I serve. While he is beyond my understanding and I will never understand all of God, I have a mandate from Scripture. Search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. The Bible says study to show. It doesn't say read to show thyself approved. It says study to show thyself approved. I want to know the God that I serve. 
Amen. And so it is, um, uh, let, let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you, God. I, I thank you for, for this day. I thank you for this, these wonderful people, God. I thank you for the body of Christ. God, I'm so grateful for the saints of God today. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move upon us, oh God. God, that your that truth, oh God, would come alive to us, Lord, in this first word this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You can be seated. I am going to speak to you on the subject of what about the Holy Ghost. We are in our series of uh, accidentally agnostic. And uh, this, this lesson, the title of it is what about the Holy Ghost. As just a recap and a reminder, Acts chapter 17 uh, refers to uh, the story of Paul in Athens. And uh, when Paul was in Athens, he saw a city that had been wholly given to idolatry. They had totally given themselves to the worship of gods that were man-made. All those living in Athens spent their time, the Bible says, in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And as the apostle walked around the city, he saw the gods of Athens, the, the idols that were being worshipped. One, uh, one of the ancient writers tells us that at this time there were around 30,000 gods in Athens. Easier to find a god in Athens in that day than it was to find a man. He, he, he saw the gods that were believed on, that were worshipped, that were offered to. But the final altar that Paul came to in Acts 17 was an altar built to an unknown God. Somebody say an unknown God. And in Acts 17 and 22, the Bible tells us, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I Perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. To the unknown God. Why is this significant? I'll share with you why. An absence of absolute singular truth. An absence of absolute truth creates the presence of the unknown. If there's more than one truth, that means really there is no truth at all. Amen. In Athens, we see a plethora of ways. You choose your way, I'll choose mine. You choose your God, I'll choose mine. And it is the goal of the enemy for there to be darkness, void, confusion, options there is it is the will of the enemy of our day to create a culture in which truth is so blurry that nobody knows what it is or where it's at that is the goal of our enemy that is the goal of this culture it is to blur every possible line that can be blurred. The Bible says in that day, evil will be called good and good will be called evil. But I know and I am thankful that I am in a church on this Sunday morning that has never left, that has never wavered, never walked away from the truth of his word for some 80 years. 
80 years and change. This truth has, this church has believed this book from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. We're not moving. We're not changing. Even when culture changes and, 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 Politics change and all these things change, but the truth of this word will stand forever. Amen. When the world is on fire, amen. When stuff's going chaotic, the truth does not change. It's amazing to me what, what society in our day calls crazy. We just, uh, we're not crazy, we're just not moving. We're not crazy, we're just not changing. We're not crazy, we're just not adapting his word to be better accepted in our culture. We're not crazy, we're trying to be godly. Amen. And I, I, I know and believe that this is the truth, that the Bible is the truth. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8, The people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I don't want to be that. I don't want, I don't want my heart to be far from God. But in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. If we do not know the truth that we, uh, if we do not know the God that we serve, if we come to church out of a routine and just fulfilling a religious obligation, Scripture would lend itself to let us know that God does not accept an offering that is just done out of obligation. He said, he said that their lips, uh, they lips, they honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God's not interested in lip service. God's not interested in pretend plastic church. God's not interested in ju us just checking off the list church. God's not interested in that. He's interested in us becoming exactly what he has called us to become. Amen. I want to know my God. Amen. Amen. Today we are going to dive into the doctrine of the Holy Ghost. Doctrine. Somebody say doctrine. That word doctrine just means teaching. It's the teaching of the Holy Ghost according to Scripture. Uh, the, Holy, the Holy Ghost, uh, Scripture declares to us that the Holy Ghost is absolutely necessary to receive salvation. The Holy Ghost is necessary. Let's talk about the Holy Ghost today. The Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are used interchangeably in the New Testament. Let's start with something simple today. We see in the New Testament that that, that, that scripture uses different phrases for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The, uh, beyond that, the scripture refers to the Holy Ghost experience in, in several different ways. In Acts 10 and 45, it was referred to the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 2 and 4, it was the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 and 5, the baptism of the Holy Ghost the receiving of the Holy Ghost, the coming of the Holy Ghost, the falling of the Holy Ghost in Acts 8 and 16, the pouring out of the Holy Ghost in Acts 10 and 45. You see 
the Holy Ghost all throughout the New Testament in Scripture, and it's it's described in different ways. But I, I want to bring maybe a little bit of understanding to what is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. You know, for people that haven't grown up in church their whole life, the term the Holy Ghost sounds a little weird. Did you know that? Somebody walks into the building for the first time and somebody says, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. And they're like, what kind of place is this? I don't, I don't, I don't believe in ghosts. Like, they're instantly going to like Casper in their mind. It's true. Anybody? Anybody, when you first came to church, you're like, ghosts? Like, I don't know about that. So the Bible refers to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. It's How many know that the Bible was not written in English? Raise your hand. There we go. That's a good start. The Bible was not written in English. It was translated to English by King James, and I'm thankful for that. But, but the Bible was not written in English. And so the original text was written in Greek. And what was translated to both Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, it comes from the same word. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the same word. It's the same word in the Greek, and the, and the, and the word is pneuma. Pneuma. Turn to your neighbor and say, pneuma. You don't spell pneuma, N-U-M-A. You spell pneuma, how do you spell pneuma? P-N-E-U-M-A. Pneuma. Well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means a current of air, a breath, or a breeze, a soul, or a spirit. The word pneuma reveals, the the Greek word for ghost or spirit, the word pneuma reveals the connection between the breath of God and life itself. The breath of God and life itself. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. I'm so sorry I did not send my notes today um, to, uh, to Sister Emily, and I am sending that right now. I just sent it. Done. Um, the, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, if they'll put that up on the screen, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God breathed into Adam, and he became a living soul. Now go to John 20 and 22. That is the physical body. That is the physical breath. And now in John 20, you'll find And when he, being Jesus, had said this, he breathed, somebody say he breathed. He breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Amen. Breath or life came to your physical body when you were born. And can I tell you that God God gave that breath there's no man that could give. One of the most miraculous things, Brother Danny and, and others, that, that you'll ever see is a baby, is a baby that just comes out of the womb and takes a breath for the very first time. 
Man doesn't give that breath. God gave that baby that breath. Amen. But just as breath came to your physical body, breath or life also came to your spiritual body. When God filled you with the Holy Ghost, God breathed his spirit into you and to me. Amen. And so when breath came to our physical bodies, life, amen, was able to happen. And when breath came to our spiritual bodies, amen, life began. Life happened, amen, in the spirit. God gives the Holy Ghost, amen, to his people as a breath, as a new life, amen, in the spirit of God. Somebody say amen. Jesus being put to death was an act of man. Jesus, uh, his burial was an act of man. But the resurrection of Jesus was an act of God. Just as repentance is my action in response to the gospel, baptism is my action in response to the gospel, but the Holy Ghost is God's action in response to my obedience. No man can fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Nobody can fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We are able to repent. We're able to do that through the obedience of the Scripture. We are able to be baptized through the obedience of the Scripture and through our personal choice. But the gift of the Holy Ghost cannot be uh, given by a man, by an individual. God and God alone gives his gift of his spirit, amen, to the people that desire it. So I've come to tell you, man can't give it to you. Only God can give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Amen. This is where I want to, uh, I'm not, there's no possible way I'll be able to dive into every thing about the Holy Ghost and all of the things that it does, but I have felt directed this morning to dive into a couple things, and uh, one of those things is the new birth. Somebody say the new birth. Now, this is a term that, that you hear in church, also born again. We hear that term. How many of you have heard those terms before, the, the new birth or born again? I want to bring some some explanation to this and, 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 and expand upon it if I could. John chapter 3 explains this very clearly. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. Now, now listen, Nicodemus was an educated man. He was, he was educated in the, in the Old Testament scriptures. He knew and understood uh, those things. But when Jesus came to the earth and Jesus came to Jerusalem, and, and, and uh, specifically he began to shake things up, he began to perform miracles and do things and exploits. And, and, and the Bible says that Nicodemus, this Pharisee, came to Jesus by night. He came to him almost in, in hiding. Uh, it was a private meeting that Nicodemus was seeking understanding. He was seeking something more. And um, he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. 
For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Nicodemus doesn't have a full understanding of who, he, who he's talking to. He says rabbi, which means teacher. He, he thinks he's just a, a teacher from God. And he's seeking understanding from what he believes to be a teacher. And Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, somebody say born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't. Now, now get this. Get step out of church culture for a minute and hear this for the first time. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse four is the response of Nicodemus, and really is the response of of of, of some that 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 don't fully understand or maybe haven't grown up in the church. Nicodemus said to him. How can a man be born when he is old? How, I'm, I'm, you know, Nicodemus is how, however old. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Here's the explanation. Except a man be born of water. Somebody say water. And of the spirit. Somebody say the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, uh, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So here we find in John 3 and 5 when he says, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What is he referring to? When he, is, when he says water in John 3 and 5, he is, he is literally referring to being baptized in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. And when he says spirit, he is referring to receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And so he says, except, and I don't have a time to get into all of the details of that, but he says Except a man is born of the water in baptism and is born of the Spirit through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. The Bible says in John 3 and 8, the wind, somebody say the wind. There's the word pneuma again. It's, it's, that, it's that word breath or wind. The, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He was saying to Nicodemus at this point, it was a day where, where everybody went to the, to the priests. They went to the, to the Pharisees, the educated of the day. And Jesus said, this, this spirit that you will be born of, it's, it's not controlled by you. It's not dictated by you. The wind blows where it's going to blow. And you'll hear, you, you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where it's going. He said, he, he said to Nicodemus, he said, listen, if, if you're going to be born of this, you're not going to be able to explain it away. You're not going to be able to offer it to other people, Nicodemus. If you're going to receive my spirit, it's going to be because I gave it to you. Amen. And Bible says, um, uh, the, the wind blows where it lists and you hear the sound thereof. You can't tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of 
the Spirit. This is where this passage of Scripture is where the term the new birth comes from, the new birth. Now, now understand as well that Nicodemus had Scripture to align with what was being said. In that story, he had Scripture in, in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel. He had Scripture that would witness this, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and all your idols. Will I cleanse you? Watch. A new heart. Somebody say a new heart. Also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. Amen and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Ezekiel prophesied of a day that was coming where the Spirit would be put within man, where the Spirit of God would be put within an individual. Several years ago, Pastor Tony Richard preached an amazing message about a new heart. And within that, uh, within that message, he, he brought out this scripture and when it talks about, I will give you a, a new heart. I'll put a new heart within you. He, he talked about the, um, the, the process of a heart transplant. When, when an individual receives a literal heart transplant, he, he made a couple points in this and one of the points that I want to bring that I thought was so powerful is that when you receive a heart transplant, you must take medicine every single day to prevent your body from attacking your heart. When an individual receives a heart transplant, when there is a change of the heart, that individual is required to take medicine from, uh, that prevents the body from attacking that heart. What happens when you receive the Spirit of God? is you receive a new heart. Somebody say a new heart. Scripture says a new heart also will I give you. You receive a new heart. And your body or your spirit takes on the characteristics of your donor. Your spirit takes on the characteristics of the one that gave you the new heart. You take on the characteristics of Christ. When you receive that new heart, you take on the characteristics of the one that gave you that new heart. Somebody say amen. So when you are born again, scripture tells us that we receive a new heart. God gives us a new heart within us. Amen. But I want to tell you that this that the Bible refers to the receiving or the gift of the Holy Ghost as a new birth. Somebody say birth. When you are born again, you are new. You are. You are just a few days. When you receive the Holy Ghost for the first time, it's like you are a brand new baby. Yesterday, Lauren and I were, 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 were able finally to go, to, go to, to my sister's house and go hold baby Esme. She's, she's four pounds, and, and, and man, she's about, 
I could hold her whole body in my hand. She's doing great. She's doing so good. And uh, she's got those big, big beady eyes and, man, just staring at that, that is Lauren and I's girl. That is, our, that is our fourth child. For all of you who have asked when we're having a girl, she's at Madison's house. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and so I was sitting there holding her. I'm an uncle, by the way. I'm an uncle. Don't, don't mess. Uncle Cody. <laughs> that just sounds weird, Uncle Cody. Uncles are strange to begin with, right? Anybody got a weird uncle? Yeah. How did we get here? I don't. I don't know. I was holding Esme yesterday in my in my. I don't even know the point that I was making with this. With with this, I was holding little Esme in my arms, and 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 man, she's brand new. She's a week old, I believe, on Tuesday, and uh, I was holding that baby in my arms, and and she was totally dependent on me at that moment. She can't hold herself up. She can't, she, can't, she can't get up and walk to the fridge and pop the fridge open and grab her bottle and, you know, start. She, she can't do that. She's, as a baby, she's, she's a baby. She's new. She's totally dependent. And when we are born again, I want to bring some understanding this morning. When we are born again, we are a baby. We are, we are new. We are dependent upon the body, amen, of Christ. We are dependent upon the church as the body of Christ, just as the mother provides for a new physical baby. It is the mother, which is the church, that is, that is um, commanded by Scripture to provide for that new baby. Amen. And, and that new baby is, is, is receiving the milk of the Word of God and, and is growing in Christ. But, but we have to understand that receiving, repenting of our sins, being baptized in Jesus' name, and being filled with the Holy Ghost is not a finish line. It is a birth. It is a beginning. Somebody say, it's a beginning. Why is this important to understand? It's important to understand because if we are just born and then we stop, you stop eating, you stop growing, you stop consuming the word of God. If we are just born and then we stop, if Esme is born and then just stops, the, the, the hospital right now is very concerned about her weight. Obviously, she's four pounds. So they're very concerned. They're monitoring. They are requiring certain things, and she, they don't really have to require it because the mother's going to do it anyway. But, but, but she is, Esme is being fed every two to three hours. At the moment of hunger, she is being Fed. Why? Because the goal was not just to be born. The goal is to remain alive. And the goal in receiving the Holy Ghost is not just to be born. The goal is to remain alive. Because Why? Because the Bible says, He that endureth until the end, he shall be saved. You are not saved because you have received the Holy Ghost. You are saved when you stand before God and you hear him say, well done. That's when we are saved.
Well, does that mean that I can be saved at what at one point and not be saved anymore? I, I believe that to be true. It's not this is not a once saved, always saved thing. This is not a this is not a pray once and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and check that off the list and I'm, and I'm okay thing. That's not the way Scripture determined it or wanted. God did not want somebody to just visit him and leave and do the same things. But the Bible says, come out. Out from among them and be separate. Don't touch the unclean thing anymore. Amen. God has called us not to just do something, but to become something. This is not about doing. This is about becoming. Amen. And we cannot. This, this does not work. This life does not work if our focus is on doing. Doing church, doing prayer, doing fasting, doing what my pastor said to do, doing, doing, doing. This life does not work if you are just doing. You are not a living doing. You are a living being. We have to become. We have to become. The most miserable people in church are people that are doing and not becoming. It's the truth anyhow. The most miserable people in the church are people that are just doing and never becoming. You want to be miserable in the church? Just come to church because you have to. You want to be miserable coming to church? You want to be miserable serving God? Just pray because you have to. Just fast, but I understand we do those things at times because we have to and our mind isn't always right. And I'm thankful for people that do things even when they don't feel him. But listen, we ought to strive to live in a place where we become like him, where we become like Christ, where our desires become like his desires and our thoughts become his thoughts. People can live for so long spiritually in a place of doing that they become stagnant and they stop growing. And the moment you stop growing, the moment you stop eating, the moment you start, you stop drinking and eating of the word of God is the moment you start dying. The moment that baby stops eating is the moment she starts dying. And the moment you stop eating the word, you stop eating, amen, the things of the spirit is the moment you begin to die. Church becomes a have to and not a get to. Church becomes a church becomes uh, just a just a thing we have to do and not a thing we get to do. The most miserable people in the house of God are the people that are living still by the law when they've been called from out under the law. They've been listen. The law is good. Romans seven. Romans. I've got so much today, but I'm gonna do what I feel. Romans seven. Romans eight says the law is good. The law is not a bad thing. The law shows me right from wrong. The law shows me. It reveals what sin is but if we live by the letter of the law all of our days we will never experience what it's really like to be in love with our creator to be in love with a God that first loved us I've come to tell somebody a stagnant Christian in this room a complacent Christian in this room I've come to tell you 
I don't care how long you've stayed stagnant. There is new life in Christ. If you'll stir up the gift that is within you, as the scripture says, out of your belly, out of your belly is gonna flow rivers of living. Come on, we've not come to just survive here. We've come to thrive here. We've come to be what God wants us to be. Here's the reality today. Spirit alive does not mean flesh dead. Spirit alive does not mean flesh dead. In other words, when I receive the Holy Ghost, it doesn't mean that automatically all of the desires of my flesh are gone. It's not what it means. Now, we've seen miracles and things happen, and God can do anything. We've seen addictions broken in a moment when people receive the Holy Ghost, and I'm thankful for that. But because your spirit is alive, it does not mean all of a sudden that the beer disappears out of the fridge. It doesn't mean that, 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 that you go to say a word and, 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 and a commercial break comes to your mind. God's like, stop. Maybe for some of you it did like that, but God doesn't just change your word. Spirit alive does not mean flesh dead. In, in, in this, in this um, when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, when we are born of the Spirit, it means the Spirit of God has come to life in us. But it also means that the flesh that we have lived with, with for however many years is still alive. So you so in you you have two things that are alive. Your flesh and the spirit. Somebody say flesh, spirit. You have two things alive in your life. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. If then, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek, somebody say seek, those things which are above. If you be risen with Christ, that means if, 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 you receive, if you've received the Holy Ghost, if you've been, just as Christ was resurrected, you've been resurrected in newness of life, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above. Somebody say above. Not on things of the earth. Now listen, he's talking to people who have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. That means somebody that was born again still has the ability to set their affection on either worldly things or heavenly things. You still have the ability to choose where your affections go. For, if ye, for ye are dead, and if your life is hid with Christ and God, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. The new birth experience is designed to let your old life 
die, and be buried and to give you a new life by the power of the Holy Ghost. The point of the resurrection is not just that Jesus got up from the grave, but it's that I can get up out of the deadness of my old life. I can get up out of the sins and the, and, and the habits and the desires that I used to have. Amen. The Holy Ghost gives me the power and the ability to live above the power of my flesh. Yes, it does. The Holy Ghost gives you the power to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, 16. Walk, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Somebody say walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Watch, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit. That means the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the spirit, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. There's a, there's a war going on in us every day. There's a fight going on. It's the spirit against the flesh. Amen. And these are contrary one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Watch. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Amen. If you be led of the Spirit, if you will walk in the Spirit, amen, that law, amen, that was given to us, it becomes it becomes a desire. It becomes a craving. You don't have to obey the law. It's just a nature within you now. It's just something that I do now. I obey the law because I desire to obey the law. Scripture commands us to walk in the Spirit. We are good at times at sprinting in the Spirit. Running in the Spirit. We're good at doing really good for a moment and then really bad for a little while. Then we sprint again. We do really good for a moment and then it all goes away. And trouble comes and we get realigned and we do really good for a moment and then we stop. We pray really good for a moment and then we stop. The scripture doesn't say sprint in the spirit. It doesn't say run in the spirit. It doesn't say exhaust all of your energy and, 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 and go as far as you can and then collapse. The scripture says walk in the spirit. Walk. Somebody say walk. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. I don't want to just, uh, I, I don't want to do good for a moment. I want to do good for the rest of my life. That's why Luke 9, 23 says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Amen. There is a war within us. Paul describes it in Romans 7. I've got to hurry. For that which I do, I allow not. For what, for what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. Paul speaks of the war that goes on against the spirit and the flesh. This life, the, here's the purpose. Here, let me wrap up here. 
The Holy Ghost does many things for us. It identifies us as belonging to God. It teaches us the things of God. It guides us, gives us power and boldness. But the thing that I want to emphasize at this moment is the Holy Ghost gives you power to live above the desires of your flesh. How can I conquer this, these flesh desires, these desires of my flesh? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Romans 8 and 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the, through the Spirit do mortify the deeds or kill the deeds of your body, ye shall live. For as many that are led by, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This life does not work without the discipline of self-denial. There is never a point where a life lived in Christ is absent of self-denial. If we are going to walk in the Spirit, then we have to deny our flesh. We have to say no to our flesh. We have to be people that fast. Not going to get a lot of amens when you talk about fasting, and that's okay. But you ought to be fasting every week. You ought to be saying no to your flesh every week, at least a day a week. You ought to be set, you ought to be, why? What, is, what does fasting do? Fasting is a rejection of the things of the flesh so that we can live and grow in the spirit. What you feed is what will live. What you feed and what you pursue, what you, what you pour into is what will live. And if you will pour yourself into the things of the Spirit, if you will pour your life into the Scripture and into knowing who God is, you have the power, amen, to live a life that is in the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit. Let's stand together. Because you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. You have the power to live above the power of flesh. Amen. You do. You have that power. But it's got to be grown. It's got to be cultivated. It's got to be developed. Amen. I want to walk in the spirit. Amen. I, I don't say no to my flesh just to, just, just, to, just to say no to it. I say no to my flesh so that I can walk in the spirit. And if I will walk in the spirit, amen, the, 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 the amazing things, the gifts that God pours back on somebody that walks in the spirit is worth saying no to the flesh. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. It gives us power over our flesh. It gives us power over the world, God. I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray today, oh God, for every believer in this room that we would walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of our flesh. God, for you have given us power. The Holy Ghost gives us power. Amen. And I pray that we would utilize the power that you have given to us. Amen. To fulfill Amen, the life in the spirit you have given to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord. 
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.